we're continuing our look at um, this new series we're, we're in, in Psalms. And I want us to be mindful um, as we talk through Psalms and as we think about Psalms of the way that they really seek to communicate with us. And they're able to resonate with us and speak to us, perhaps in a different way than other literature that we read. We can really connect uh, with a psalm. Um, and they're really helpful for us to connect um, back to God. This psalm in particular, and I don't know if it's possible to have less of my mug and more of the text on the screen, because it's a short psalm and it would really help us sort of dig around at it. This psalm in particular, and in particular, the first verse of this psalm is one that I think resonates resonates with me, and I would reckon it's possible resonates with you as much as any um, any of any psalm, perhaps, and any scripture as well. Verse one of Psalm 121: I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? I lift up my eyes. So just, and you can almost picture. The individual saying this as we think about it, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? So it sort of presents us with that picture of that circumstance that so often we get in life. Where in, try, in trying to live a good life, I don't know if you've been, I don't know if you felt this emotion, in trying to do the right thing, in trying to live a good life, what the reality of what's in front of us. When we're faced with the reality, it brings us to that point, just with how difficult it is in, in moments to live a good life. It brings us to that point where we lift our eyes, don't we, to the hills and we say, how am I ever, how am I ever going to do this? I had my own moment of that today. Um, and this is a very, this is at the lesser end of this example but i'll give a lesser example and then hopefully i'll progress to a bigger example i was uh, jotting up the sermon and i was trying to be in a good place and my tech was just falling apart around me and i let off this deathly cry people came running upstairs in my house to see what was wrong with me i just screamed and the sentiment of my scream was something like i'm trying to do a good thing this is a good thing i'm trying to do and it's not feels like I just I'm unable and in that reality of being unable to do it I looked up almost towards well towards what I looked up towards the heavens it's like where's my help going to come from with this and that is just such a minor example there are people and there are circumstances out there that people are facing this 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 like for example the single mums through no fault of their own they've got you know a bunch of kids they've got difficult circumstances and and they will, you know, they're trying to do the right thing, trying to do good things. And they turn around and a couple of things just feel like they're working against them all the time. And you can imagine, can't you, people screaming out, I'm how, is anyone going to help me with this? It just feels like such a familiar um, sentiment, such a familiar line. It's been so familiar to me. I would imagine it's been familiar to lots of us as we try and live good lives, as we try and do good things. And yet feel like, really, is this, this is going to happen. This injustice is going to meet me just now. This, I'm going to be faced with this difficulty. Who's going to help me uh, with this? Uh, like the nuts and bolts of this psalm, um, essentially, there is a very uh, literal, physical journey to be observed in this. This is, this is a literal pilgrim making his physical way um, 
towards Jerusalem. And there are circumstances that this person is facing. So you can see there, uh, verse one, he's, he's sort of looking up at the climb that's, that's in front of him. And you're looking out as if to say, this is, this is difficult. This is a climb, it's difficult. And you're looking at, you know, there's a sense of this huge distance that needs to be scaled. It's one of the early songs in the Psalms of Ascent. There's a sense in which there's still a long way, physical way to go for this person. There's a sense as well, I can see it in verse, I think it's verse two or verse three, of this person looking out at the amount of obstacles and trip hazards that they're going to encounter on this journey. And, and he's almost looking to himself as if to say, how on earth, how am I going to get there? So many, you know, it's such a long way. There's, 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 there's so much, there's so many trip hazards in front of him and there's so much risk. And he's thinking um, there in verse five, six and seven, he's thinking about the heat of the day and the long journey that's in front of him. He's thinking about just the risk that it is to be on the road and the vulnerability of just being on the road. And he's, and he's looking at this journey and he's saying, how am I ever gonna get there? Is anyone gonna help me with this? So there's a, one, there's a sense on one hand that it's, it's a, there's, there's a lot of physicality to sort of acknowledge, but at the same time, this is a psalm. It's in God's word. It's a poem. It's talking about God and our relationship with God. At the same time, it's a bit of a poetic description of the spiritual ascent that we're going on. It's, it's, it's at the same time as it's a physical story. It's a description of the journey, I think. And I think this is one of the things that the psalms reminds us of, that we're all going on. We're going on a journey ultimately towards God. This is one of the this is one of the challenges that the Bible puts before us. I don't know what you think about that. I don't know if that's something you've thought about before. Maybe you you go, well, I think I think life could be a journey. I've thought of it as a journey. I've thought of it as a journey that I'm trying to get towards happiness, or I'm trying to get towards some kind of learning or some kind of contentment. One of the messages of the Bible is that the journey is towards God, and therefore, it's a journey towards righteousness. That's a journey towards being able to stand in front of God. If it's a journey towards God, it's a journey towards righteousness. So that's the other thing that these Psalms point towards. And when, when I stop and think about that, and when I reflect on this Psalm, I'm reminded that that is a difficult journey. What, what I, somebody in my job who preaches the Bible is challenging you with is a difficult, difficult thing to do given the world that we live in at the moment, given the circumstances around us. So you just reflect on the nature of the psalm really, really quick. And you realize the first couple of verses talk to us just, you know, he sets the scene. It's just like an overwhelming journey that this guy's on. He's look, he's a guy, the, whoever the psalmist is, whoever this person traveling is, he's looking at it and he's going, this is a, this is huge. And there's a sense in which when we think about the, um, Think about the calling that's on our lives. Think about what God demands of us, what he asks of us, holiness, purity, godliness. Read through any of those lists in Paul's little letters. You think, crikey, even if I managed to get on top of that for one morning, I'd be chuffed to bits. I wake up the next day and the next day and the next day. Forgive somebody. I'm on top of the world when I manage to forgive somebody. I think I'm awesome. And then I realize that God's got this whole journey mapped out of forgiveness for me. It's hard work. It's a huge problem, huge difficulty for us. Think of the, reflect on verse three in the psalm. And you see the, the person on this journey looking at the amount of trip hazards that are out there for anybody on this journey. He's looking at it thinking, is, 
there's so much that could trip me up and as a as a preacher i often use the you know talk about the word sin or the difficulty of living here in the world um the psalmist coins it better i think than, th than those words he says there's so much to trip you up out there if you want if you're heading towards god if you're heading towards trying to live a good life there's so much to trip you up i think about um if we just take the subcategory of purity something that god calls us towards if you just think about that and then you think about any teenage lad with a phone if you think about any well let's be honest any bloke any married couple or given given the amount of trip hazards that are out there given given the way that tech can can tempt us or speak to us or provoke us uh, given given the social norms that are around and out there there's trip hazards everywhere you look at this journey to holiness and you go who's going to help me with this that's what you think. Who's going to help me with this? He goes on in verse five um, to talk. He sort of describes the way in which somebody who makes this journey. He describes, what's he saying? Verse five, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day into verse six, nor the moon by night. He talks about the perils of this journey. He talks about somebody who's going to get baked in the heat, just be too much for them. And we, when we, when we, and he talks about too somebody who's, who's feeling it. When he talks about the the suggestion in the psalm is that ordinarily, you'd have somebody by your right your right side. You'd you'd be carrying your shield there. You'd you'd, you'd be protected there if, if you're a, if you're in the Hebrew army or if you're on this kind of journey. But on this pilgrimage, you're going to feel vulnerable in that way. You're going to be a little bit exposed. And when I think about what it means for us to be people trying to live a good life and people trying to be faithful people trying to be Christian, if you want to use that kind of language. So often, our faith can leave us exposed. It, it can leave us on our own. It can make us feel incredibly vulnerable just by trying to be, you know, trying to absorb some of Christ-like traits, just trying to be good, just trying to be, you know, being gentle. How much does that separate you from normal folks? Even if it's, even if it's somewhat honorable, like trying to live a good life, sometimes even trying to live a good life, trying to be a forgiving person, trying to be a kind person, even that can make you look separate and distinguish you and, and make you vulnerable. This is the first thing. One of the big things I think that we see in this Psalm that, that this, this calling, this ascent, this journey that we're on, it's like, it's tough. There's going to be loads of times I reckon there's been loads of times in my life I would expect that, you know, Christians, but anybody generally looking to try and live this life. There'll be loads of times when you will look up to the heavens and you will scream like me right in the sermon today. Really? Somebody going to come and help? This is this is impossible. This journey towards God, it's an impossible journey. This is a difficult journey. And then you look at it and you go, and is this really going to happen to me? Am I really, you know, is this going to be my difficulty? And in that moment, you'll look up to the heavens and go, really? Really? But then we read the nature of this psalm and we realize that this guy, the psalmist, knows all this. He knows how tough this road's going to be and how tough this journey is, both the physical one and the spiritual one. You can see that in the text. He knows that story. And yet, he's got this cocky, confident song that he sings. That's what this song is. This is a, I've seen the journey ahead. It's like me doing the three peaks of the week and yet singing all the way around sort of arrogantly and confidently about how confident I am. And I was a little bit like that for moments. Jude will testify to that. But I'm going to just, I'm going to just nail it. Whenever, I don't know about you, but whenever I see, 
not necessarily somebody singing, but with somebody with that level of confidence about life, somebody with that assurance that everything's going to be fine and they can live brilliantly to the end. I cynically go to a place where I think, do you know, have you experienced any tough stuff at all? Do you know how tough it really is? Do you, do you, do you know about that? What, what is it that you know that I don't? And that's one of the things I think. If I see somebody just with a chirpy whistle in the morning and I think about the tough day I've got and the tough life, I don't know if you get this. I think, what do you know um, that I don't? One of the reasons um, when people present God's word, one of the reasons when we preach, we go so often to Jesus in the story or people Jesus met. Maybe you look at it and go, oh, we're here again. Here we are again ash paul whoever it is they've arrived at jesus again you go oh, you know is, is there nothing else that the bible's got to say one of the reasons that we go there so often is because in jesus one of the things that we see one of the big bible messages is that in jesus god especially you think about this god of the old testament even the god that we experience sometimes that seems a bit distant one of the things that we realize is this is how god is made known and when I say made known, it's not just like when my kids ask me if I know who Harry Styles is. And I go, yeah, I know Harry Styles. He's the guy with the, you know, good looking lad. I think he's from Yorkshire, long hair. He was in a film, I think I've seen. They don't, it doesn't mean known like that. When it talks about knowing God through Jesus, it means you can literally know, you can see in Jesus the heart of God. You can connect with it. You can see in Jesus the ways of God. You can see in Jesus the purposes of God, all that mystery that was connected in the Old Testament. Why have we got all these stories about all these people and all these armies and all this death? What's, all, what's going on in there? What's going on in that story of creation? What's going on in there? It all makes sense in him. So we've got to go there. Jesus, God is made known um, in Jesus. And we see, we see this soaked in, in the New Testament story, how you can glimpse God how you can get to know him and connect with him in Jesus. One of the main characters we see it in is Paul. One of the things that we learn, and it's a great lesson for anyone who's been in church for more than a few years. One of the things that we see in Paul is that it's possible to know loads about religion, to know loads about God, loads about him, and yet not really know God. It's possible to know loads. You know, you can be an well, I guess one of the lessons from Paul could be, you could say, it's possible to be, an, to be an academic in God and still not know him. And at the same time, it's possible, maybe it's, maybe it's even necessary. And this is certainly, I think you could make the case for a lot of, you know, a lot of people that we encounter in the New Testament, that you might need to forget everything or unlearn everything. That sort of language is packed in the New Testament in order to actually know who God is. I just want to read real quick two texts here so it'll be on the screen or maybe you can follow it on your phone um just just to sort of demonstrate the impact of this how how actually finding god in jesus can really can really affect your life and i think you'll find it's um, connected to the psalm so first of all philippians 3 and it starts at verse 7 that's great this is paul speaking about getting to know god in what he's seen of jesus whatever were gains to me and he's talking about the law and all the stuff that he's learned about. And whatever gains to me, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
for whose sake I've lost everything. I consider them garbage. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. I consider them rubbish. I look at what I'd learned and I consider it rubbish that I can gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Uh, so he goes on to say, verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. I want to be immersed in this story is what he's saying. I want to become like him in his death. And so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. And then he goes on. Not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal. And this is where we can really relate to the journey of life and everything else. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I was trying to live a good life and I kind of thought I knew everything about God and religion. But when I encountered Jesus, when I engaged with who he was, I saw myself. I saw my sin. I was challenged about who I was. In Jesus, I got to know who God was. As I encountered him on that road, I got to know who God was. And he realized in this moment, you can see that uh, verse seven to eight, so much of what he knew, he says, compared to, compared to what he'd experienced in Christ, just even though it's the law and it's valuable and it's God's word, compared to what he'd learned in Christ, it, it just looked like rubbish. And he realized as he goes on to say in verse nine and 10, there's so much more that I need to know about God this is kind of the sentiment. There's so much more I need to know about God. So I've got to really fix my eyes on this man, Jesus. And then he rounds it up by saying, and here's, here's the thing I've gained the most. This has meant, and you, saw, you can see that. So I, uh, have a look there at verse 12 to, to 14. The hub of what he's saying is I've, I've got purpose and direction for the rest, even in this horrible world, even in this world that's really tough, even in this world that can trip me up, I've got purpose and direction until what? Until the end of my days because of what I've experienced in Jesus. Let me just read one more quick text. It's Philippians 4. And I've not noted the verse. It's up there. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What's Paul saying in this little nugget of a verse that you might have heard read over a few times? He's saying it's possible. It's possible to hand every second of your life, every anxious thought, every little moment, it's possible to hand them all over to God. And it's possible if you can do that, that's possible. If you can do that, it's possible that God can keep you. God can look out for you. God can protect you. Um, underneath that verse, when Paul references this word, 
guard. He's talking about the idea that comes with his Roman citizenship. When he's in a city that's got the Roman guard around it, it can be mental outside. There can be gentle, genteel chaos going on. But inside, he's going to have the security of being kept by the Roman guard. When Paul talks about his faith in Christ, he's saying it can be going crazy outside. There can be trip hazards everywhere. It can The distance to my holy connection with God can be as far as it likes. I'm kept by God. You can know him in a way that inspires and focuses you to run well to the end. And you can know him in a way that every moment, no matter the chaos around you, you can be kept. You can be kept. Right, let's go back to this psalm. I just want to wrap up with a few of the truths that we've now got. So when you think about what your faith is and you think about the dude that's singing this song confidently, I want to say to you, we have got access to, to the meaning behind these words. We can sing this the same way he does. When we look at the journey ahead, it's possible for us to sing with that level of confidence even with all the trip hazards, even with the burning heat of what it means to go on the journey with God. So I just want to say, look what's out there. Let's let's focus in on Jesus. Look what's out there. So the first thing I want us to point to is verse three of the psalm. That's great. God is unlimited. God is un- unlimited in what he can offer us. There's a l- lovely sentiment there that says, he won't slumber or sleep. So some of this in the times uh, that these psalms were written, um, there's some incredible stories about how the people would need to contact the Canaanite gods and they'd have to climb up the mountains and then there's all these rituals they'd have to do, songs and dances. And they'd have to literally, and this is the sort of, this is the history behind it, they'd have to literally try and wake the god up. So the stories are the gods are asleep, you've got to go up there and you've got to wake them up. And often, and there's loads of stories about this, they've got to be really annoyed. I don't know if you've ever woken somebody up doesn't always, doesn't often, doesn't go very well in my house. You wake somebody up, and this is this is what happens to the the, with the to the in the Canaanite God situation. The, the Canaanite God turns around and strikes the person down, and the psalmist here is a bit making fun of that, or he's certainly standing Yahweh up against that God, and he's saying, God's not like that. God's not somebody you have to go and give a song and dance to before you can get his attention. God is. He doesn't, he doesn't sleep. He doesn't even get tired. It's a lovely word. God doesn't slumber. He's not going to switch off for a second. One of the things that I think we realize with experience, um, as, we, as we go on the journey of life, trying to, trying to live out whatever lives we're trying to live out, we realize how endless our problems are. And we also realize how complex and intricate our problems are. We realize that they're just going to keep coming. You realize the older you get, you don't get past stuff. Problems keep coming. Loads of problems. And they can be difficult and unusual problems as well. And the other thing we realize is even though we can have the best friends, the most brilliant people around us in the world, we realize how finite and limited our friends and solutions can be. Even, even Even the most loving kind friend that you can have that you know it's been with your side forever there's stuff that you won't be able to tell them even the most loving friend that you can have around maybe even your girlfriend boyfriend partner best friend whatever even even them will grow weary of you 
they will they'll grow weary of you they'll 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 grow tired of it even them there'll be things that you just can't tell them it's not so with god doesn't get weary when you mess up for the millionth time the same little thing that you thought you'd learned when you were a teenager god says i'm ready to listen i am ready to forgive ridiculously i am ready to pick you up and work with you graciously again god is unlimited he's always able to help in any circumstance another one verse five and six so read those through with me the lord watches over you the lord is your shade at your right hand the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night god is our comfort there's this lovely idea of shade it's an illustration that works better in the Middle East than it does in the UK. But just the, the idea of the pilgrim baking in the heat, seeing the destination he's got to get to and thinking, how am I ever going to get there in this heat? And he, and he describes the presence of God as being like shade. You know, when you're, when you're on your holidays and you're, you're walking through a town, you're, just, you're like dripping with sweat, you're the Brit abroad. You look like the Brit abroad, sweat everywhere. It's unpleasant. And then you go into the cafe area or just like somewhere just with a little bit of shade or you're walking down the promenade, it's got a bit of shade. And all of a sudden, this tough journey just becomes really pleasant or at least doable. The psalmist speaks of God like that. He says, this is a baking hot journey in the world. Yet you can know God as somebody who comes alongside and makes this baking hot journey possible, maybe even makes the toughest journey pleasant. There are Christians who would say that and testify to that. The other verse says, we can know him at our right hand. I mentioned earlier that this idea that um, the Hebrew soldier would carry his sword, in, uh, his shield in one hand, but would know always that one part of his body would be vulnerable. And the psalmist here pictures the idea of a soldier, of God being like a soldier who's always at, and it's a lovely notion, always at our right hand. Like this invisible soldier, that's kind of the sentiment behind it, that's always there, always available, always ready, always looking over us and by our side. And we see in verse 7, 8, the whole psalm sort of escalates into this beautiful, you almost think with this stuff, can this be real? Can, can this carry on? Is this just like a promise I can grab for one day? And the psalmist sends this psalm, sends this song of hope in another direction. He says, no, we don't, we don't go that way with God. We go that way with God. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He's emphatic. The Lord will watch over all of your life. The Lord will watch over. You come in and go in. I'm going to go that far, both now and forever. Uh, one of the things um, I used to say to my kids when we lived in Motherwell, and I used to drop them on, you know, used to drop these three soft, lovely, delicate looking English kids off in this Motherwell school. Um, and I was, you know, I thought, oh, crikey, this is a tough gig for them. I'm going to Bible college. That's really nice. People are making quiche and talking to you about the Lord. And they're going to go to school in Motherwell <laughs> um, with their English accents and everything everything that go, would go along with it and i'd say to them um i'll be watching out for you i'll be thinking of you all day and the truth is i wasn't watching out for them or thinking of them all day i, I needed to say something 
I might have had it in my head somewhere that I might be able to pop for five minutes at lunchtime and check that they weren't getting beaten up in the playground or anything like that. When God says this, when God says, I'm watching over you, he means I'm watching over every single thing about you. I'm watching over your coming and going. I'm seeing you. He, he promises it and keeps it in a way that we can't even begin to imagine. So my question at the end is, can you sing a song like that? When you think about the troubles in front of you, can you, can you sing like that? Can you, can you sing about, can you sing like that about anything in your life? Is there anything that gives you that kind of courage and conviction? Uh, the message of this Psalm is with God, you can.